Good evening. Welcome to Left, Right and Center. I'm Vishnu Shom on the program tonight. Indians planning to study in Canada and those pursuing courses there stand to be worst affected as the Justin Trudeau administration brings in new norms for overseas students in its bid to tackle rising food costs and a housing crisis. India is the largest source of source country for overseas students in Canada. 2.3 lakh Indian students are enrolled in various courses in the country. That's a huge number. The Canada government's move to cap the number of overseas students and a rise in the cost of living may now make Indian students weigh Canada against other options such as the UK, US and Australia. Next up on the show, the Maldives government confirms that it has allowed a so-called Chinese research vessel to dock in Malay at a time when New Delhi and Malay are in the midst of a tense period with the pro-China government in the Maldives seemingly preferring Beijing to New Delhi. What are the implications of this? I'll be joined by the former Navy Chief Arun Prakash. And finally, at a time when there are so many deaths by suicide, new norms from the government that make it clear for coaching centers deal with the well-being of students or face the consequences. But are the measures strong enough and is enough being done to reduce the pressure upon students looking at entrance exams? But first, the students, the situation for students in Canada, with Canada capping the intake of international students, something that directly impacts Indians. It's a temporary two-year cap on international students is what they say. 3.6 lakh students will be allowed in 2024, which means that they have slashed international student intake by a whopping 35%. The cap comes after the cost of living requirement was doubled in December. Students will have to submit additional documents. Students will need a, provinci a provincial attestation letter, which makes it difficult. Provinces will decide which university gets how many students or which college gets how many students. The cap will be reassessed eventually next year, but this is thought to be a fallout of the housing crisis in Canada. But it also comes at a time when there is a great deal of tension between India and Canada uh, after uh, on, on the issue of uh, Sikh extremism in Canada. Now, are Canadians, Indian students already avoiding Canada? Well, there is already an 86% fall in Canadian student permits to Indian students. Uh, that number has fallen dramatically from 1,8940 to 14,910 in 2023. Um, it is seen to be a fallout of the Indo-Canada diplomatic row with fewer Indian students having applied for a permit. So the ramifications of this are all huge, not least of all uh, to Indian students, certainly to Canadian universities who earn hugely from the presence of Indian students. Aditya Bhatti, a licensed immigration uh, advisor, joins us. Pranjal Kohli, an aspiring student, and Terry Miluski, a retired uh, senior correspondent at CBC. Thank you all very much for being with us. Aditya Bhatti, we'll talk about students in a moment, but is this perhaps directly linked, in a sense, to what happens to students of Indian origin who go to Canada and then try and become Canadian citizens or get a work permit. Uh, ultimately, is the effort of the Canadian government aimed at cutting that down, those numbers down? Hi, Vishu. Uh, first thing we need to understand is that the decision is not specifically for India. Market. Yeah, sure. It is an overall cut down on the international segment. Uh, so not specifically targeting India or Indian students per se. That wouldn't be fair to say. Uh, at the end of other end of the spectrum, there is uh, this fact that close to about 20 to 30 percent of students who have gone on a visa, and again I'm talking in international students, not specific Indians, are not actually enrolled in classes. 
where they should be and are apparently doing something else so that is a cause of concern and uh, obviously every country wants to attract bona fide genuine students only and they are trying to plug that gap all right uh, terry miluski how would you look at this uh, this huge cut canada accounts for hundreds of thousands of students already studying over there this is a source of incredible income to canadian universities uh, all of this comes at a time when relations between ottawa and new delhi are pretty poor uh, do you see some sort of a link already the numbers for example yes. of indian students applying has gone down very sharply yes it has gone down very sharply and certainly there is a link between the, the, the deterioration in diplomatic relations between india and canada is certainly having an effect already but probably it's it's had more effect than the minister has attempted to introduce yesterday because i mean uh, the, the of the expulsion of 40 canadian diplomats the people who actually do the paperwork to process visa applications had a terrible effect on the number of indian students applying to come to canada so in, in a sense this this was a problem that was self limiting it was already limited the, the numbers were down more than 80% uh, in the third quarter of last year over the previous year in terms of indian students not just general international students but specifically from india because of the diplomatic uh, fracas between india and canada now having said all of that uh, it, it's still true that uh, canada's immigration system has been uh, out of control and if you think that's exaggeration Uh, I'm quoting the Minister of Immigration, yeah. who said the system has become out of control. Uh, we, we, we had, uh, for the first time last year, a million new Canadians—not just students, but all all newcomers—a million new citizens in Canada. Uh, the population is booming. Uh, we're over 40 million for the first time ever. It may not seem like much by Indian standards, but it certainly is having an enormous effect on the uh, housing market. in particular in Canada and there's some politicking going on obviously the, the government of the day is down in the polls facing a defeat in an election next year and wants to be seen to be doing something about a problem that affects all Canadians newcomers or not mm-hmm. and that is the price of housing is up by $22,000 the average house now in Canada is approaching 3 quarters of a million dollars uh, in, in Canadian dollars it's a lot of money something has to be done the government wants to be seen to be doing something but whether this is it's a, it's a hard thing to stop uh, people are wanting to come to canada there's an enormous amount of pressure up because of the good reputation that canada has had in education it's an enormous business anytime you get a business that's contributing roughly 20 billion dollars international that's students huge. contribute something like 20 billion dollars in Canadian dollars a year uh, to the Canadian economy you try to cut that back there's going to be pushback uh, from the colleges and institutions that have an interest that have been jacking up their fees and cashing in on the demand uh, and sometimes not providing particularly good education minister says he's trying to have an impact on that too but I, i'm i'm a skeptic <laughs> on whether this is really going to have the impact uh, that is uh, advertised because the pressure is hard to resist. Sure. We had a target of half a million immigrants in Canada. What do we get? We got a million. What happened? The system's out of control. More people are coming than are legally supposed to. Yeah. And then they come as students, many of them seek to stay. And what is the reason for all of this? What's behind it is 
Canada is a growing economy and it needs those new workers. 32,000 new tech workers last year, half of them from India. Uh, so uh, employers want them. So we're not going to be able to, to stop this sure. river of immigration. We might just be able to slow it down. That's right. all. Pranjal Kohli is an aspiring student. Pranjal, are you disappointed at uh, the new steps being announced uh, by Canada? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, eventually, uh, I was uh, planning to study in Canada. Um, I pro started my process in early December. And uh, I've uh, been speaking to a lot of relatives, knowns uh, in the country, and I got to know that there has been uh, reforms which are going to be changed for the uh, international students. And uh, yeah, that was a little disheartening though, but uh, after reading the articles, uh, you know, why this decision has been taken at large, uh, I believe that's fine because uh, if there is not enough housing or the food prices are going up and everything, which is going to affect the budgets of the people uh, like me and likewise for other people, uh, I believe that's a, that's a fine and fair uh, decision to be taken. Though, But yeah, it uh, becomes a bit baffling for the people who are going to be go going there for studies. So, and therefore, yeah, Pranjal, are you going to be applying elsewhere now? I mean, avoiding Canada, going to the UK, Australia or somewhere else or perhaps staying on in India? Uh, I would uh, rather uh, stay in the country as of now. Yes, uh, fiddling through options might be uh, another thing I am going to do, which I, I am uh, frankly doing. Uh, looking at Canada as well, because I already have applied to a uh, you know, university there, then I had to drop it because of the reforms. So uh, maybe like in 2025, the reforms are going to be changed uh, because I had a procedure planned uh, in the in that particular country. But yeah, other English speaking countries, I don't see any reason uh, not to, you know, explore them a bit. Uh, of course, for now, uh, we'll be staying in the country and uh, yeah, just looking through options here. Aditya Bhatti, isn't it a, a, a worry in Canada that you know, the issue of illegal migration ends up being students who want a good education being denied. See, basically, that's the whole idea that there have been some, how should I say, <clears throat> players who have oversubscribed students and then not being able to give them seats once the student reached Canada. Uh, those are the factors that have come to the notice of the government. And the announcements that have been recently uh, made by the minister are basically targeting players like that. So personally, uh, my opinion that students uh, who are bona fide genuine who are going to good quality providers, uh, public colleges, will have nothing to worry about. And in fact, uh, it is a dodgy ones, uh, whether it is providers, whether it is agents, whether it is students who need to worry. But if you're a genuine student looking for good quality accommodation, looking for good education providers, you still have a good chance in Canada. That's not a problem. All you need to do is be aware that there are some cities where there is an accommodation issue, so you need to start your search a little earlier than what you would normally do. But then again, there are a lot of other cities where you could potentially go and get yourself a good education provider and not have the same uh, level of accommodation issues. Terry Miluski, the other way of, of course, looking at this is that there are so many Indians who get a Canadian degree uh, end up staying on in Canada legally, 
and end up making a phenomenal contribution to Canadian society. The Indo-Canadian community is huge and it is incredibly successful um, and, and a critical part of, uh, of the diaspora that is, that is Canada. Um, in a sense, you know, to cut down on the, the numbers of those who legally try and get into Canada after seeking and, and doing exceedingly well in a Canadian education system is sad for your country as well, isn't it? Yes, it's, it's, a, it's a very good point. It's a very important point because it's fundamental. What, what, what Canada is doing is it's importing the people that it needs to support its growing economy. To, uh, uh, and uh, these people are getting a good education here. Then they're going on to pay taxes here. The record in particular of Indian students in Canada has been very good in terms of contributing to the economy. Yes, there is some resistance. Uh, people object and say, well, they come here as students, but that, that, it's just a back door. People complain. There are Canadians who complain that Indian students are using the system as a back door. They're ab abusing the system as a back door to get permanent immigration to Canada rather than just to study and then go home. Well, why would Canada object to that exactly? Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's very hard to figure out considering that most of them uh, they're only too eager to get jobs after they graduate and then to start paying taxes and buying houses and contributing to the economy. And, and that, is the, that is the fundamental driver, which I'm saying is an inexorable force, and that no matter how governments may tinker and carve out exceptions, or is, or these cutbacks don't apply, for example, if you're a, a postgraduate, if you're going for a, a, a doctorate, uh, it doesn't apply to you. It, it, the, the really smart ones, in other words, oh, we still want you. We're not cutting back on you. We're only cutting back. This is the government's claim, I'm saying. Yeah. They're only cutting back on uh, what the minister has called correctly, I believe, puppy mills, uh, that is educational institutions with very low standards where basically where they're just cashing in and exploiting you. Uh, they don't tell you that, oh, by the way, this college is way up in the north of Ontario where it's freezing uh, and you don't even have clothes to withstand the cold if you come from India. So th there is a force here, a river of immigration, which I think is irresistible. And Canada's shooting itself in the foot, as you rightly point out in your question, by trying to limit that. We're, we're the beneficiaries of that. Yeah. We benefit from the taxes paid by Indian students who stay here, get jobs, and their record, as I say, in doing yeah. so and contributing to the Canadian economy is extremely good. And the uh, other countries are way behind. I mean, we've got roughly 40% of the international students from uh, all over the world are Indian. Yeah. The second place is China with about 12%. We, uh, India is far ahead of other countries in exploiting the adv advantages that Canada offers in terms of education, and uh, they haven't shown any lack of interest in paying the exorbitant fees that these educational institutions charge to their students, but four times more uh, on average than Canadian students pay. Right. So I think that for all of these reasons, we're not going to see a, a, the drastic cutback that the minister speaks about. One final point, and that is, that we used to have, only five years ago, the numbers of uh, Indian students in Canada were less than half what they are today. There's been a tremendous boom. So when the minister says, oh, we're going to limit it, we're cracking down, we're going to limit it to only 360,000, five years ago it was 120,000. Yep.
So we're locking in a much higher level of immigration. And that is the hidden truth in sure. this story today. Well, it is sad. Canadian education systems have been outstanding. Take it from someone, me, with two degrees from Canadian universities. Uh, well, it is, uh, you know, disappointing at so many levels for people looking to study over there. But Indian students perhaps will look at uh, different uh, countries as well, should those opportunities open up. We're going to move on now. Thank you very much, uh, all of you, for being with us. We're going to move on to other aspects of our programming this evening. Well, the fact that the Maldives have actually confirmed that there is a Chinese spy ship headed to Malé is a very significant admission. It comes at a time, and this was a statement that they issued, it comes at a time when there's a great deal of tension between New Delhi and Malé. Now, what exactly are we talking about? We're talking about this Chinese spy ship. It's an oceanographic research vessel. Essentially, it maps the seabed, which would therefore enable the operation of Chinese submarines. It came through the straits over here, and it is headed to Malé. It's expected to dock in Malé on the 8th of uh, next month. Now, why are we concerned about this area? Well, there's Hambantota, Karachi and Djibouti, three areas of Chinese influence in the Indian Ocean region. Let me explain to you what we are specifically talking about. Firstly, this is the ship in question. Indian Navy sources telling us that they are monitoring this Chinese ship, which is now in the Indian Ocean, 4,300 tons. But the point that I was trying to make was actually a little bit about the area. So let's take a look first at Djibouti. This is where China has its first overseas military base. This is a satellite image of the Chinese base in Djibouti. Again, an area where they're seeking to make their influence. There have been warships which have been deployed over here. Let's take a look now at uh, another area. And this is Hambantota. Let's focus on Hambantota in Sri Lanka, where the Chinese have regularly deployed spy ships, as you can see in this image over here, an image from a little more than a year back of an advanced Chinese vessel which could actually monitor Indian missile tests. So that's in Hambantota. And again, let's just go back over here, take a look, uh, and take a look over here at Karachi, which is, of course, a long-time partner of uh, China's. And over here, you've got just a picture one month back of three Chinese warships uh, which have actually been exercising with the Pakistan Navy. So now there is a Chinese research ship going to Malé at a time of tension between New Delhi and Malé. That's a cause of concern. Well, joining us now, Admiral Arun Prakash, the former Navy chief, one of the finest minds uh, that the Indian Navy has produced. Thanks very much, sir, for being with us. The Maldivian statement, which has just come out, Admiral, is curious. They say that, you know, they are a friendly nation. There's nothing untoward in this. But in fact, it is rather deliberate. And the timing, I would suggest, sir, no coincidence. Would you agree? Well, I don't know about the timing because uh, Maldives from the nearest Chinese port is about seven or 8,000 kilometers. So this ship must have set sail quite a few days ago. So I don't know about the timing. But I think it's time for us to acknowledge and realize that China has very deep, um, profound interest in the Indian Ocean, in all the oceans, but especially in the Indian Ocean, because its economy, industry, um, you know, it has strategic relevance here. Um, much of China's imports, exports, energy pass through the Indian Ocean. And therefore, China has to ensure that they are safe. The sea lanes of communication remain safe. So we must accept the fact that we will. the Chinese Navy is going to fetch up here and uh, in, in increasing strength in the days to come. 
what we see right now is the precursor they are what we call shaping the environment i mean before anything happens at at sea you send out your research ships your hydrographic ships collect data collect information so that when your operational units are deployed especially submarines then they are adequately prepared so i think we need to be uh, we need to accept the fact that more and more chinese what you call spy ships them their hydrographic ships research ships so on we are going to see more and more of them admiral and, uh, uh, they have many a of our, sorry yes, many of our smaller neighbors do not have the choice of declining a chinese request that to, for a ship to put into their port admiral they have a presence already in hambantota in djibouti and in karachi as well uh, so in a sense that they are already fairly well placed in terms of where they can locate their military assets the naval assets in the indian ocean right but strictly speaking they only have a presence in djibouti which is a base which they own a uh, hambantota karachi uh, any other port is a courtesy call and you know by the laws of the sea any ship can request to put put into any port and ask for fuel water food etc and by and large it is not declined now i noticed sri lanka has declined perhaps under pressure from india but that's something that we can discuss admiral is there anything stopping the chinese given the pace of their naval construction over the last decade from deploying a carrier battle group in the indian ocean um at this moment their carriers are relatively new they are being worked up but i i presume that their major preoccupation at this point of time is taiwan and once the taiwan issue is settled one way or the other then they will be able to uh, you know send in a permanent force into the indian ocean and i suspect there will be an indian ocean squadron led by a carrier or or maybe other destroyers or so on which will be more or less permanent or semi permanently present in the indian ocean it makes sense because their sea lanes uh, are a need protection and the chinese navy is one of their major tasks is to uh, uh, afford protection to their shipping and to their maritime silk road and sea pack and so on so we will see the chinese navy uh, in the years ahead and we need to be prepared for that admiral prakash you know we are a peninsular nation we've got island territories but people in our country in a sense never think about the oceans how is it time to start thinking changing that altogether because the maritime threat isn't just pakistan and pakistan alone it's evolving not just china what we are seeing of the coast of yemen as well this is a domain which is critical it's critical for our economic growth and in terms of our presence in the indian ocean so when i said that the, uh, the indian ocean is critical for china it is equally if no not more critical for india because we may be a peninsular nation but given our strategic um, you know uh, location we are almost like an island and almost 40% of india's gdp comes from foreign trade so that that's a significant uh, figure so we need to um, you know become alive to the fact that we are dependent on the oceans around us now china re- realized this about two and a half decades ago they took a determination to become not just a maritime nation but a great maritime power and they've gone about it very methodically they've created the world's largest navy numerically the world's biggest shipping fleet belongs to china 5000 ships the ship building industry the fishing fleet the coast guard all of them are the largest in the world so they are truly a maritime a great maritime power now we've unfortunately been neglectful uh, apart from the indian navy which which is you know a competent and a fairly um, useful force 
we've neglected all the other aspects of, of, of maritime power. And I think it's time we woke up and addressed every aspect of maritime power, whether it is shipbuilding, whether it is the merchant navy, whether it's the fishing fleet, undersea exploration, etc. And China has got 64 of these research ships, what you term spy ships. They are research ships. But as I said, they are preparing the ground for naval deployments, uh, which lie in the very near future ahead. All right, Admiral Prakash, thank you very much for speaking to us and sharing you know, your concerns and observations on this emerging trend or pattern that we see all around us in the Indian Ocean. Thank you very much. In a significant move, the government of India, specifically the Ministry of Education, has announced several guidelines for coaching centers. This comes in response to several concerns about the welfare of students, student suicides, the unregulated growth of private coaching, um, mental health issues and several incidents which have been taking place in coaching centers. Many would suggest that these moves couldn't have come a day too late and that the interest of students really lies in ensuring their, their mental well-being, their physical health, and that education cannot be seen through the narrow prism of just scoring a hundred in exams. Joining us now, Mrithunjay Narayanan, uh, President of the Coaching Federation of India, Amita Wattal, uh, Anand Kumar, the founder of Super 30, a coaching center, but as you'll see, some of his thoughts extremely progressive when it comes to looking after students. We're also joined by Arti Raj Ratnam, a clinical psychologist. Um, Mr. Narayanan, do you welcome these steps? Yeah, most of them, except one or two. Uh, the position government should have taken is, at least could have spoken to the, shared with the coaching fraternity and looked at from their perspective. Because um, I, I do feel it's really bad that so many students have committed suicide in some region like Kota where there are a large number of students coming, almost uh, 2 lakh students every year, studying in Kota and going through that process. There, is, there are a lot of other factors which are, uh, which are responsible for, you know, probably the mental health, this thing. Because uh, education, because they come there to seek, uh, do better in their competitive exams, and they get that. Apart from the academic pressure, there could be more reasons and more uh, mental health workers or uh, doctors and kind of psychologists. No, no, but, but, but Mr. Narayanan, most respectfully, isn't it a failure of the system if you have students committing suicide and not the students and the background that they have come from? Because the numbers in Kota are absolutely appalling in terms of the number of suicides. There must be something wrong at coaching centers. No, I mean, as far as I know, because there is a lot of, uh, there's not that much pressure given in the institute that, you know, students go for committing suicide. Then why there's do they commit suicide, sir? It's because of the intense pressure, isn't it? It's, it's because it's of our system up, being as we, difficult we, we as it is really for students. On, unless we try to figure out this, because this is a very serious thing and it has to be from the, both the government Sir, side there have been 23 students who killed themselves, ended their lives in 2023, 17 in 2022. In December 2022, there were three deaths in a single day, student deaths by suicide in Kota. In 2021, nine deaths. Suicides are up by 60% in Kota, coast, and we still don't have an answer. Isn't it staring at us on our faces, sir? So, I mean... Uh... The suicides that happened 
happens even in IITs and AIMS and all yes, the Yes, it's all terrible, sir. Why don't we just condemn uh, the it, fact... It is, it is a mental issue of the current situation, no? The things have become really... Uh, there are uh, a n number of factors which we need to figure out because it cannot be... Right. An n number of factors. Amita Wattel, is that response acceptable to you that we have an n number of factors and hence suicides are taking place among students? What I would like to say is that I'm a little disturbed by this conversation that I've just heard. I mean, are we comparing the number of suicides each year and saying not so much and so little? All I do want to say very categorically is that this should have come in sooner than later. Because the kind of coaching that is going on, it's not only about me to J, it's even about CUET. And we have huge amounts of children who are moving out of schools after grade 10 in order to join dummy schools who are allowing them in and allowing them to join coaching centers to crack the CUET. So the point is, uh, in fact, I feel that even 16 is, um, yeah. is, is should have been 14, if you ask me, if at all. Because the way we're looking at it, a child has already moved into grades 11 and 12 by the age of 16. You pass out at 17. So the question, because when we talk about the national education policy, we're talking about something which goes far beyond the textbooks. We're talking about mental health. We're talking about understanding. We're talking about a, a sort of a overview of the way a child looks at learning. And learning is no more rote. It is more involved with the inner child. And a school is required for, for developing these kind of concepts. And if you have children just walking away, and a lot of parents are supporting this, which really worries me because a child of 13 and 14, cannot make, uh, 16, cannot really make up his mind for himself. He comes under peer pressure. So this is very important that a child leaves school when he leaves school in grade 12 and not gets into coaching. Because this, the, the simple thing is that 11th and 12th are very important years for the development of a child's mind towards the environment, towards life, towards the way he looks at learning. And if coaching center is going to be the foundation of these years, then God help the youth of today. And what kind of people are they going to be? Because the world today expects a very different kind of, of uh, what shall I say, ability. The competency that the world expects today, the market expects today, is a very different ability. And competition is about competing with oneself, not about competing with the other. The problem is the moment you're competing with someone else, you will fall short at some point or the other. And that's when all the suicides and all the, the other angst and the conflict takes place. So I think this kind of a thing, with a, the, the, uh, particularly the kind of stuff that we have, that there's going to be some kind of blocks in the way fees are being taken, on the way that registration is being done, the kind of infrastructure that is, has to be maintained in a coaching institution, the kind of assessment results that they give out to make it so public so the other child feels done in if, if their faces are not on those billboards that you have thousands of faces who stood first and the child feels so low in self-esteem. No, the it's, 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 it's this shocking. Is very but one moment, ma'am, I just wanted to go across to Anand Kumar, the founder of Super 30. Anandji, thank you so much for being with us. Doesn't a lot of the problem arise at the level of parents because as Amitaji was saying quite correctly a child of 14 15 16 17 is a teenager not necessarily in a position to know what is best for themselves they are then confronted with the exam of their lives and they are told that son if you don't pass this if you don't qualify then you have failed us when you as the founder of super 30 came across children with this kind of background and this kind of pressure, what did you do? दरअसल में होता क्या है कि parents बगल में आसपास का देखा देखी में 
सामाजिक दवाओं में सोशल प्रेशर में बच्चों को प्रेशर करते कि बेटा तुमको भी हमारे अधूरे सपने पूरे करने आपने ठीक कहा तब क्या होता है कि पेरेंट्स बच्चों को करें इंजीनियर बन जा डॉक्टर बन जा कोटा चला था बच्चा इस स्टेज में नहीं होता है कि वो डिसीजन ले पाए पेरेंट्स के प्रेशर में आता है और पेरेंट्स क्या है अगर लोअर मिडिल क्लास है तो अपनी आखिरी जमीन भी बेच देते हैं कोटा में ऐसा सिस्टम नहीं है कि बच्चों को ये टेस्ट किया जाए कि कैपेबिलिटी कितनी है इसमें पैसा दिया एडमिशन हो गया फिर उसके बाद क्या होता है कि बच्चा को जो जो बच्चे रिजल्ट ओरिएंटेड है जो रिजल्ट दे सकते उनका एक अलग बैच बना दिया गया वो बच्चा जो इंटरेस्टेड नहीं था मैथमेटिक्स में फिजिक्स में केमिस्ट्री में उसको जबरदस्ती वहां भेजा गया वो सबसे नीचे वाले बैच पे आ जाता है वो प्रेशर फील करता है दरा धमका हुआ फील करता है वापस भी नहीं जा सकता है क्योंकि फी भी वापस नहीं होगा माता पिता को भी कुछ नहीं अपने दर्द को बता सकता है टीचर्स और स्टूडेंट का रेशियो इतना अधिक है कि टीचर से वो प्रेम वो सहानुभूति नहीं मिलती कि इंटरेक्ट करे तो अंत में सुसाइड कर लेता है लेकिन जो गाइडलाइन निकला है बहुत बढ़िया निकला है कि कोई बच्चा का आप बिना इंटरेंस टेस्ट के एडमिशन नहीं ले सकते हैं ये बहुत अच्छी बात है दूसरी अच्छी बात है कि कोई बच्चा अगर पढ़ रहा है तो बैच को आप अलग अलग नहीं बना सकते हैं सबको समान रखिए सबको मिक्स करके रखिए ताकि कमजोर बच्चा थोड़ा हो थोड़ा टैलेंटेड हो सबको एक साथ फलने फूलने का मौका ये भी गाइडलाइन में अच्छा किया गया उससे भी अच्छी बात कही गई है कि अगर बच्चा प्रेशर में आ रहा है और उसको पढ़ने की इच्छा नहीं है तो उसको पैसा वापस किया जाए right. तमाम बातें बहुत अच्छी की गई है जिससे प्रेशर घटेगा लेकिन अंत में दो बात बोलना चाहेंगे पहली बात कि ये कितना इसका इंप्लीमेंटेशन होता है कितना ये धरातल पर ये कानून आता है ये देखने वाली बात होगी अब बावजूद इसके माता पिता कितना समझते हैं पेरेंट्स कितना समझते ये जरूरी आरती राजरत्नम सिंपल टर्म्स द मैट कंपटीशन विच एग्जिस्ट विच जेनरेशन ऑफ इंडियंस है horrible for the mental health of the individual uh i'd like to start with one thing we can't measure mental health only by the number of suicides there are so many acute sure. and chronic conditions which are you know under the radar uh children who go in for chronic anxiety who are unable to take it who who push themselves see the teenage brain is very vulnerable so you can push them into long term personality disorders you can have a lot of uh you know dissociation that happens so in in terms of the mental health of any any child this system these rules are too little and i feel still too late so let me get there secondly when we talk about mental health this is the gang age the teen years they need to have their peer group they need to have a lot of time to you know socialize to get to know people to identify to uh, to you know develop their own identity the coaching culture does not even give them enough time to sleep now if you notice there are children who are i mean ma'am mentioned that you know there are people who come out of grade 10 and go into coaching centers completely but there are also this whole uh, group of children where the parents don't want them to miss out the school experience so they're also going to school and then at the off school time they're going for the coaching center experience and i think that's even more dangerous because something else is being taught in the coaching center something else in school and we're not even you know cognizant of the fact that these children are under tremendous pressure and then you know parents somehow keep comparing them with other children with other things so if 
you know, if I even score a little less in a particular test, I'm pushed into another class instead of understanding that sometimes slowing down is very important. There's a beautiful Zen story that talks about a person who was scared of his own footsteps and the sound, the sound of his footsteps, that he started running really fast, hoping to, you know, outrun it. And ultimately what happened was his shadow caught up, he couldn't do anything and he collapsed. Really what happens in that situation is you need to sit in the shade of a tree, slow down because the footsteps will stop and your shadow will disappear. In, in similar terms, when I talk about mental health, we need to understand that children need a lot of downtime because the vulnerable teenage brain resets itself first through sleep, secondly through social interaction, and thirdly, only when these two are there, they can go into reflection, which will help them understand how they can prepare better for the next exam or the next test, and we're not allowing for that. And I feel, yes, we need to really take these, at least whatever is there now from the new directives that have come through, I think it has to be taken seriously. Yeah. And also, more importantly, we need to make uh, counseling available to children who are competing at this level. You know, Mr. Narayanan, uh, Arti makes a very important point that let's not uh, measure uh, mental health issues on the basis of the number of suicides, uh, because there are so many children who are impacted in ways which cannot be measured, in many cases may not even be detected. In a system which does result in suicides, the number of people who may be impacted differently would be any number, much, much larger, much more significant. Is it not time for us to accept that the system that you are encouraging is one which can seriously damage an individual? Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as uh, residential institutions like the, that are located in Kota or even Hyderabad, there are uh, Aurangabad, there are a lot of places like that in India. It's all because of the failure of the existing education system in supporting the competitive examinations which have been kept by the government only. The very same examination and uh, the National Testing Agency is doing that examination. For example, for, let us look at students are being admitted to IIT. Okay. Matpipur and all other engineering colleges. JE, they have announced. JE means. Then they have announced also JE advance. JE means there are about two and a half lakh students are selected for taking JE advance. Out of that, about 50,000 odd seats are covered that covers IITs, NITs, and IIITs altogether. These three major chunk of institutions catered to about 50,000 enrollments. For that, we could have stopped at JE Main. Why push children to JE Advanced, which is, again, I, you know, from the very same 2.5 lakh students only, you are getting it. And the top uh, 16,000... No, so I take that point that you are mentioning, that there is a system which feeds a certain need. For, uh, for, for, for coaching centers. You know, Amita Wattel, so it's, there is it no is need true. Of Actually, if you ask me, there's no need of JE Advance for students get, uh, to make it to IIT. The ranks, top 16,000 students out of that only go, go, go to IITs. The, the next level for NITs, the next level for IIITs. That's it. Period. I mean, why put pressure on the, I mean, the our own? Or, sir, we'll ask you to just fix that camera of yours for a moment uh, because it's been shaking yes. a lot. Let me just go sure. back to uh, Amita Wattal. Uh, Ma'am, I think it is important that in as much as we speak about mental health issues and the well-being of students, this is a system which is 
existed for time immemorial. You know, we've, we've all grown up and had the option of doing this. It's, it's only now that we have the liberty to actually talk about mental health issues. It's a system which, of education which is fundamentally messed up, if I can use those words. And therefore, that perhaps is the root cause of a lot of what we see now. Would you agree? No, you're absolutely right in what you're saying, because I think this is a legacy that our children have inherited from us. And, and, and I think, unfortunately, as a result of which their, their, their resilience is not there. They're not able to cope at that level. And the kind of pressures that they find is very, very problematic. But I'd like to say to you that the world's highest performing education systems are all now focused on education for human flourishing. And that is the word. For education to work in life and livelihoods, tomorrow's young people need to innovate, be responsible and sensitive. That is something that a coaching center can't really uh, get into because there's a whole other world out there in learning other than 2 plus 2 is 4 or some kind of mathematical formulas. Because I feel that we need to challenge today. If you want to fix this mess that we're in, the NCF is trying. We also need to challenge the prevailing standardized education policies and practices which are in place in favor of more individualized concepts, in favor of the fact that we have to approach not only the skill sets and the mindsets, but the heart sets. Yes. And how do we do that? I think that is so very important. And if we don't do this, then I'm sorry, we will potentially lose the franchise for preparing the next generation. If we are going to make these excuses of JE needs this much percentage, NET needs, NET needs this much percentage, CUT, for God's sake, I mean, we have to get out of that. And we have to really, the parents must... Look at this. I, I appeal, I appeal that if our children have to really be out there in the world of tomorrow, it's a very different world. It's, it's, it's not a world that, that you are preparing for them through these coaching centers. No, no, I, 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 I um, understand what you're saying. And Anand Kumarji, would you accept that when we talk about education, perhaps the heart of education needs to be humanity, sensitivity, of teaching a child to be a good human being, not teaching oh, a child okay. or forcing a child to get a hundred and one out of a hundred. Isn't that oh. how we as a nation have completely failed? What are we trying to do? Are we trying to raise good human beings or are we trying to raise good robots? overall development practice और उस बच्चा को अगर अच्छा नंबर में लाल ले आता इम्तिहान में अच्छा करता अच्छे मार्क्स लाता उसके बाद भी उसको दुनियादारी का कुछ समझ नहीं होती है वो जीवन में कुछ नहीं करता केवल फिजिक्स केमिस्ट्री मैथ का रट्टा मार मार के प्रैक्टिस करके आईआईटी पे तो चला गया लेकिन वो नहीं जानता है कि नॉर्थ अमेरिका किसको करते हो हिस्ट्री का वर्ल्ड वार के बारे में कुछ नहीं समझ रहा है उसके आम जीवन में उसकी कुछ समझ नहीं तो वो बहुत आगे अच्छा नहीं कर पाता एक रोबोट बन जाता है ये बात से हम 100% सहमत है इसलिए बच्चों को हम ये कहना चाहेंगे कि मार्स के अंधा धून जो रेस है उसमें आप मत परेशान हो और कभी कभी बच्चा का खराब नंबर आ जाता है उस सुसाइड कर लेता है उन बच्चों को कहना चाहते हैं पेरेंट्स को बोलना चाहते हैं कि दुनिया के किसी एक इम्तिहान में इतनी ताकत नहीं है कि वो आपकी टैलेंट की गवाही दे सके 
इसलिए परीक्षा में नंबर लाने के बजाय सब्जेक्ट को समझना चाहिए उसका अंडरस्टैंडिंग बढ़ाइए हाउ एंड वाई जानिए उसके गहराई में जानिए ओवरऑल डेवलपमेंट करिए बच्चा आजकल स्कूल छोड़ के भाग जाता है कोचिंग सेंटर चला जाता है डमी स्कूल में स्कूल में ग्रुप मिलता है हेल्दी ग्रुप मिलता है आपस में डिस्कशन होता है तो काफी जरूरी है इससे हम सहमत है कि स्कूल की पढ़ाई ओवरऑल डेवलपमेंट वही जरूरी है और आज हमारे बच्चे इसलिए सुपर थर्टी के सफल होते कि उनको जीवन की बारीकियों के बारे में हम लोग सिखाते हैं ना कि केवल रट्टा मार मार के पढ़ाई करवाए आर्थिक आइडेंटिकल वॉट शुड पेरेंट्स लुक आउट फॉर वेन यू नो देल्ड हू मे बी under a great deal of pressure because sometimes you may not even know a child may appear to be normal but is part of a system which we are talking about over here what do parents or what should parents look out for see one is the obvious signs where you know you see a sudden change in behavior so there are issues with sleep habits the child is no longer socializing is unable to interact with people is also verbalizing that they finding it overwhelming that's the obvious signs but the subtle ones are the high functioning anxiety where the child is going to strive towards perfection is going to you know so uh, sort of overthink and overplan micromanage uh, become very very uh, reclusive in that sense these are the second set of uh, symptoms that i would ask parents to look for because what they really doing is trying to overreach and try and push themselves towards something that they're not really comfortable doing the third set of symptoms are the ones where you will see the dissociation related uh, issues where you know there is a disconnect uh, from reality they are no longer able to you know what we call the no connection with the reality that they living in that kind of thing so i would ask parents to first set a connection ritual to understand even before your children enter you know the competitive exam years as i would like to put it set a connection ritual build a ritual where you speak with your child listen to your child on an everyday basis don't be just a crisis intervention parent where when everything goes out of hand you suddenly rush to a mental health professional what can be done by you is what's called co regulation when your children speak to you or let you know that something is overwhelming listen because they are not being lazy or they're not trying to avoid a task the system is skewed against their natural development when something is skewed against your natural development there will be an uh, element of stress and when that stress is something that they are able to sort of manage with your support which is the co regulation that i'm requesting you to do they will be able to manage the competitive exams though the system is not the best when you don't pick those signs when you are not that supportive parent when you dismiss their feelings minimize their feelings advise become the moralizing lecturing kind of person they realize that there's no point reaching out for help and that's when it becomes very dangerous so if you can be a supportive co-regulating responsive parent this would make, make this would be a, a a stage where children can really look back and say okay it was difficult but i had this loving supportive adult who could help me through it and we don't really need to reach out to mental health professionals if that support structure is available at home sure. since that's not really available that's why we you know trying to reach out to professionals who are you know who need to be reached early you can't reach in the last minute and say you know try and fix my child one day before the exam two days before the exam because that's not no, possible no that's just not right so i hope i'm making my making no sense. you are and i just want to go back to mr narayanan uh, one last time sir uh, yeah. the steps which have been taken are important steps now by the government some would suggest that a lot more needs to be done the aspect of mental health of students uh, do you believe that now with counselors and others who deal or address these concerns
we'd be able to look after the mental and the emotional well-being of students more will uh, coaching centers you represent the federation will they take this seriously yes why not why not i mean though it is a very centric to uh, coaching hubs like kota and few towns only otherwise uh, predominantly coaching centers work on a more like you know the school they attend the school regular schools and you know come up for the evening two hours or so and two or three days a week so it's the same thing what is applicable for court places like kota is not applicable for the entire country i mean that's what i wanted to communicate for sure so and uh, setting up uh, conditions like you know below 16 they should not be allowed for coaching and particularly school students uh, children you know they get challenged even for they want to appear for ntsc many a time the schools are not able to support in uh, providing services to help them or help them uh, cope up with such exams olympiad junior science olympiad mathematical contest all these things you know they want some help you know by the, because they are not familiar with it they want to do that and yeah, coaching institutes are helping them out in or so no, sir, helping out a student is natural i mean nobody is questioning that i think it's hmm. it's coaching institutes which put so much pressure on children that their well being is clearly and statistically impacted sir nobody is saying that coaching institutes don't have a role or that students cannot go to tutors right but you are part of a system sir which is the problem do you accept that we don't put pressure at all i mean this is something which is uh, it is all chosen by the student or the parent so and and that yes. that that yes sir the student and the parent select something you are part of the process which accepts yes. what parents are saying and you allow the child to have pressure build up and feel deeply unsatisfied at a basic basic level of emotional well being are you not a part of the problem the very existence puts pressure let me tell so it is very 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 straight uh, i mean uh, it's not such a simple state statement this requires you know uh, no it's not and i think i i accept example, the point I'll when you a, when you mentioned sir very good example mr narayanan i'm uh, running out of time so i'm just wrapping this up i don't mean to interrupt you but i do accept the point when you say that this is part of a larger issue it's a system of education and a system of exams that that lies at the core of the issue yes. but certainly yes. coaching centers have to be responsible and perhaps these rules are required now because coaching centers haven't been responsible but we for parents but that, but yeah. parents for parents listening to this program across the country it's perhaps time to look out for the emotional requirements and the happiness of your children sure. and perhaps base their sure. development and your role as a parent on trying to raise good human beings is there anything more important sure. than that i'd like to thank you all very much for being with us thank you. we'll take a short break at this stage